Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Heavenly Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Who is Jesus? It's the same question we've been asking week after week in this Advent season as we prepare to celebrate Christmas, the coming of the King, the coming of Jesus. But who is he? Matthew records for us a genealogy of Jesus Christ, name and title. He's the anointed one. He's the chosen one. He is the one who will take away our sins. Over the last three weeks, we focused in on King David, that Jesus is the son of David the king, the son who reigns on his throne and is with us always and invites us to sit with him. The second person we discussed was that Jesus is the son of Abraham. Jesus is the son who was promised, who gives us God's blessing. Last week, we saw that Jesus is the son of Solomon, the son who was wise. That which is impossible for Jesus, or that which is impossible for us, Jesus does for us. This week, we come to Mary, the mother of Jesus. Jesus is the son of Mary. Jesus is the son who finishes our story. Now, I'm going to talk about something very nerdy and grammatical for about a minute and a half. But I want you to know, for those for whom this is torture, we will get through it together. Now, something very significant happens in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. The writer, Matthew, writes three sections of 14 names. And, and if you're a grammarian, and if you're a linguistic uh, person, and if you're into numbers, and you know a little bit about the Hebrew language, you'll know that three fourteens is another way of saying six sevens. But that's incomplete in the Hebrew mindset. It is a, it's a, a family history that leaves you one short. You can't, if you're a Hebrew person, not have seven sevens. You have to finish the story. It's like having a cliffhanger in our modern world today and then having to wait for the whole next season of the show. Except Matthew doesn't make us wait. Matthew gives us the answer right away. The very verses that we read this morning, verse 18, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place this way. And Jesus, for his readers and Jesus for you and me, is the one who finishes, the one who completes the story of the legacy of salvation. And the birth of Jesus took place this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. All God, all man, all Christ for you and for me. But there's a pretty significant problem. This has never, ever happened before. And this will never, ever happen again. If you're Mary and Joseph and you're living in Nazareth, a town at the time of about 2,000 people, smaller even than the village of Oxford, not even including the township which surrounds us, 
that small town's got to get talking. There's gossip. And certainly there are some who are skeptical. How could Mary, who's betrothed to Joseph, be pregnant? They don't have the visions from the angels. They don't have the messages from God. All they see is what their eyes tell them they see. And for even Joseph himself, he had to be skeptical. Wait, what happened? You were overshadowed by the presence of God, and that which is conceived in you is from the Holy Spirit. I don't, I don't know that I'd be able to believe my wife because that's never happened before. Joseph needed help to believe. God sends help. He says in the text, the angel of the Lord comes to Joseph in a dream and he says, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded to. In all of our Bible, from beginning to end, how many words are recorded, spoken by Joseph the earthly father of Jesus. In every gospel account, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, how many words do we have spoken by Joseph? Zero. He does not speak as recorded in the gospels. I'm sure he spoke in real life, he wasn't a mute, but he does not speak in our text as revealed by God, yet he obeys. How quick am I when God tells me something to do to respond to God and say, yeah, God, are you sure? Should, should I, I mean, do you really want me to, I mean, isn't there another option or another way? But Joseph doesn't speak, yet he obeys. Joseph trusts God, and by trusting God, his love of Mary is enabled. Trusting God leads us to love others in a way that we wouldn't have been able to before. And the angel tells Joseph, this son, which will be born, is going to be Emmanuel, God with us. And why why do we need God with us? I mean, have you noticed in your life that when you are alone, when God is not with you, oh, bad things happen? 
Have you noticed that even when God is in your heart, in the midst of you, you're saved by Jesus. He dwells inside of you right now where two or three are gathered as we are right here. God is still with us and yet we will in this place today and when we go from this place today still struggle with sin. Why do we need God with us? Because we've got big problems. And yet our problems are only symptoms, only symptoms of the ultimate reality that every single one of us are dying, are dead, and will be dead forever unless Jesus rescues us from death, saves us by his sacrifice. Paul tells us the problem in Romans, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. If we got what we deserved, each one of us would get death. And having opened socks for Christmas every year for the past 25 years, I want to say death is probably worse than socks. By the way, I got word that uh, when we open presents, uh, I think the 27th, so like Wednesday or Thursday, mom said, I didn't get you socks this year. You better have. You better have gotten me socks. I, guys, I need a reminder that I'm sinful. Socks on Christmas are the reminder I'm sinful. And, and you and us, you and me, we all, we need to be reminded that we need someone else for our salvation. That we need someone else to, to give us life. Paul continues in the same verse, he says, all of us are justified by grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Open up your salvation. It is free. It's worth celebrating. Jesus knows the price he would pay and he pays it joyfully for the joy set before him. He would endure the cross. And yet, even with that joy, he still asks his Father in heaven in one of the last prayers that he prays as recorded in the Bible, Father, is there any other way? Jesus, the God of the whole universe who took on flesh, who put on humanity to save humanity, knows what he's going to go through in the crucifixion. Father, is there any other way? And trusting his father to, th- to know that this is the only way he goes to the cross, he endures the suffering, he endures the shame, and he takes all of our sin on himself. Even for Jesus, trusting his father in heaven leads him to love other people. And when Jesus is being crucified, some of his last words as recorded on the cross is when he sees John, the disciple whom he loves, and his mother Mary. And he says to the mother, woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his home. God gives us each other. 
trusting God in this case led John and led Mary to love one another, to endure with one another. They would go home that day crying that their son and savior had died. Not yet understanding Sunday was still to come that there would be joy from their grief. Jesus had even warned them. He said, I will be with you and then I will be gone and then I will be with you forever. Just two chapters earlier in the gospel of John. And they would need the reminder like we need the reminder. How could this be happening? How could we be going through this? And God gives them each other. They needed help to believe the unbelievable, just like Joseph did, just like we do. To believe that a baby was born, that this baby would be the son of God who takes away the sin of the world sounds like the craziest thing someone could ever dream up. We need help to believe that this baby would grow into a man. This man would die on a cross and rise from the grave for you and me. We need help to believe. So God sends help. One of my favorite verses in the Bible comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. It says, for all of their promises of God find their yes in Jesus. But Paul keeps writing. He says, that is why it is through Jesus we utter our amens to God for his glory. And it is God who establishes you with us in Christ. And he has anointed us. And he has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. As a guarantee. All of God's promises that you will have life and life forever find their yes in Jesus Christ. And he gives you his Holy Spirit in your heart to lock you and promises you that you'll have life with him. He's the one who begins our story. He's the one who writes our story in the middle and he's the one who finishes our story. How does our story end as Christians? Not here. Not yet. God tells us that he finishes our story when he makes all things new, especially you. Pray with me. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we give you abundant thanks for the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, that through him we have life, through him we have a finish to our story. Send your spirit to help us believe the unbelievable, just like Joseph and just like Mary and just like your disciples. Thank you that Jesus is the son of Mary who finishes our story.